recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with Coach Renee Dreyfus and Matt Peters. Ring the bell and let's get it on. Welcome back to another episode of the Martial Culture Podcast. Uh, Matt Peters, Renee Dreyfus. That's me. <laughs> Before we get into it, I just want to take care of some housekeeping. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by NutraChef NYC, delivering breakfast, lunch, and dinner nationwide. Healthy, balanced meals tailored to individual macros and your diet's needs. Visit NutraChef NYC or email NutraChefNYC at gmail.com. also want to thank Christopher Media for all they do for hosting and our network distribution. Visit ChristopherMedia.net to check out their other great shows. How you doing, Renee? I'm doing fantastic. Good. Uh, just a great day, great weekend. Uh, our fight team came up with a big win off a very skilled opponent. Uh, our one of our up and coming guys, uh, G, is um, getting ready for his uh, MMA match, and uh, he is engaged. He engaged in what's known as a combat jujitsu match, and something I'd like to talk about a little bit further. To what we were talking about today about jujitsu and MMA, and just just kind of where direction jujitsu is going and how it works, how it doesn't, and how combat jujitsu fits in that. And then he had a combat jiu-jitsu match with a really, really skilled guy, really wonderful, wonderful fighter named Quentin, out of the Henzo Gracie camp. And uh, we were, we were, uh, you know, we were lucky enough to get the win yesterday. I'm very proud of G. Trained really hard, and his opponent was really game. Wonderful gentleman, wonderful uh, fighter, really skilled. And uh, but you know, uh, uh, we came up on top, and uh, I'm really, really proud of uh, our team's accomplishments. Beautiful. Add another trophy to the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great one. Um, so it was great. Also, the UFC uh, Fight Night 116 was last night. I did not watch the Gennady uh, uh, Triple the Triple G uh, Canelo fight because mm. I really don't watch boxing. Respect boxing as a science. Not a big fan of you know the whole boxing craziness and mm-hmm. scene. And also, there's a certain amount of boxing that I just don't like to watch because it's, you know, gamesmanship. And again, that goes into what we're, what we're going to talk about today. Gamesmanship versus fight effectiveness. Hicks and Gracie has a, has a thing. He says, there's efficiency and effectiveness. And uh, when you play to the rules, you are being efficient in winning. But when there are no rules, those efficiencies, that gameplay goes away, and you see you don't have effectiveness. And while there are certain elements of boxing that are absolutely wonderful for MMA, you know, when you get to the super, super, super high levels, some of that is like, like gamesmanship, and I'm, I'm just not interested. I'm like, I want to kick the guy in the leg and shoot a double, <laughs> you know? You know, Superman punch to double leg takedown to arm triangle. Wait, you can't do that. There's oh. too many rules, yeah. Uh, that being I said, I would like to say that I did, I do have some uh, 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 amateur, what do you call it, white collar, whatever, unregulated boxing matches. So I did train boxing and, and I competed. It's, it's all love to the boxers out there. Any hard training, total respect. Mm-hmm. You know, not trying to knock a martial art or anybody's hard work at all. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, boxing also has a bit of a history of being uh, a little. Dodgy, yeah. shady, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they have a lot of uh, organized crime involved right, in right. Las Vegas and, and things like that. So um, they have a bit of a history that maybe the mixed martial arts community isn't involved in at this point, hopefully. With, yeah, you know, in America, you know, unfortunately, the MMA community in Japan got mixed up with the Yakuza, the yeah. Japanese mafia, and that all exploded and, and led to the downfall of the K-1 organization. 
and uh, to you know Pride and all that. Well, not Pride. Pride, Pride was bought out, but it's the same thing. It went down in ratings and stuff because mm-hmm. of the the tarnishing of the image with uh, with the organized crime. And, and I really hope that uh, the UFC. It's such a name brand now. It's so established, like like something like Kmart. Yeah, I don't think the the organized crime can touch it, but. You know, you never know. Uh, I you, hope you not. just compared UFC to Kmart. I think UFC is going to be upset about that. <laughs> no, but I mean, like a like a Fortune 500 can we, company. Can we call them Target at least. Yeah, Target, Target, right? Target, <laughs> Target, or or um, or uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anything. But yeah. Coca Cola, whatever. I know. did hear that the, the the legalization of MMA in New York was held up by not organized crime, but uh, unions, Absolutely. which have ties to organized crime. I don't know the ins and outs of the issue, but mm-hmm. as I understand it, one of the major standing points was a New York State senator who was uh, very close to the culinary union, mm-hmm. and the Zuffa uh, gambling empire is a non-union empire, mm-hmm. as I understand it. I have not done a lot of research on the issue, but they were trying to pressure Zuffa to have their um, uh, casinos unionized, particularly the ones in Tahoe, as I understood it. Uh, as I said, I've not done a huge amount of research on the subject, but that was what uh, was it, uh, told. I was on an MMA panel, a forum, uh, with Master Henzo Gracie and uh, uh, people in the New York State Commission mm-hmm. right after the legalization. We did it at Columbia University, and that, that was something that was brought up. But it wasn't the only issue. There were still also people legitimate um, uh, uh, who had legitimate concerns about MMA. There was one state senator who... Uh, you know, still thought MMA was human cockfighting and all that. And, you know, obviously that's incorrect, but it was it was for a pure reason for integrity, as I, as I understand it. You know, but yes, you're right. There was some shady, shadiness in the background uh, that, that held it up for a while, as, you know, unfortunately. Sure. But now it's all legal and, and it's all good. And, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So and it's great. not our job to regulate it, so I guess we don't have to spend too much time right, <laughs> discussing right. it. And it's legal, like yeah, you said. Right, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the fight night, 116. Yes. What's your favorite fight? I think we already know, but what's your favorite fight? The favorite fight was Jason Gonzalez and Gregor Gillespie, yeah. uh, or Gillespie Gillespie. Um, unbelievable display of striking from both of them, mm-hmm. from wrestling, from Gillespie, and also a submission uh, skill that is top-notch. And I'll tell you, also, Gonzalez had a couple. He had a Bravo uh, attempt. He had uh, threw up some arm bars. You just saw it was wonderful. It was a non-stop uh, fight. It was just action all over the place. Really technical striking, great takedowns, some some good guard work, uh, good guard passing, some great positional control from Gillespie, and these guys just came to to, to showcase mm-hmm. their skills, and it was awesome. It's like I never even heard of these guys before, <laughs> and, but it, I mean I should have because they're uh, you know one guy's like eleven and one or something, and the other guy's you know undefeated or something, something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, fantastic fight. It was just made my night. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Well, it's such a ferocious display in the first and second round. I think you're going to hear these names a lot more often in the future. Absolutely. And, you know, Gonzalez did not come up with the win, but that guy can punch. He almost dropped Gillespie. Bam! Old one, two, boom! Right to the face. And then, then that guy, Gillespie, has some chin. Yeah. Jeez. That would have sent my teeth off to the moon. It was just, <laughs> what a strike. And yet he took it, he shot in, and he almost got dropped twice. Uh, the second one was a real, I think it was, a, I have to look at it again, but it looked like a real short uppercut, and but it just connected so hard. Um, but I'll tell you, Gillespie had great, this is a real under, under um, appreciated skill. And you see the high level fighters 
getting this better and better, but clinch striking. I'm not talking about Muay Thai clinch. I'm talking about the over-under MMA clinch and uh, overhand elbows, stomps, knees, but really not the kind of like, I'm going to push you against the fence and lay there and we're going to like knee, knee, knee. I'm going to drop down for a double, blah, 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 boring. No. High intensity, high pressure, boom, 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 boom. Overhand elbow, bop, bop, bop. And uh, just the, 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 the infighting and that clinch, I'm telling you, the next year, two years, you're going to see a huge evolution in the pace and technique of infighting from the clinch against the cage. I'm, there are always fighters that there were active, but now you're going to see how people are doing these short elbows, uppercuts, and I'll tell you, our academy is really um, pushing that envelope on this too. So I'm really hoping that our fighters can showcase some of those skills as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Gillespie had this phenomenal, really short overhand elbow that almost dropped Gonzalez. He backed off, then he went pop, 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 and hit him again. And just such heart from that guy. He didn't, he didn't cave. He just came in and kept fighting. Two amazing warriors. They're really no loser in that fight because mm-hmm. they just, they're, fantastic fighters that both deserve tremendous respect and I really hope the UFC brings them back for more and more and more you know unbelievable fight yeah I think they'll they'll see that they they brought the energy and they brought the electricity to the fight that they'll both be rewarded with some more and you know yes absolutely and Gillespie had the arm triangle finish and you're seeing a lot last week was an arm triangle we discussed it in one of the podcasts same thing the guy didn't even dismount he was in a uh, mounted position uh, and uh, finish the arm triangle right from the mounted position. You see people are understanding where to put the shoulder and uh, being very technical with the arm triangle. And that's not even from a guy who, he's originally a wrestler. He had obviously cross-training and a lot of things and really being very, very technical. Unbelievable fight. Great job. The other fights of that night, there was uh, Uriah Hall's back. Um, weathered the storm, came back and won. Uh, also, Gilbert Durino, uh, Gilbert Burns um, had a really, really beautiful knockout. That's a guy who comes from a jiu-jitsu background, but, but showed that he's really working on his striking with, with um, Henry Hooft in Florida. And uh, Henry Hooft is, you know, Dutch kickboxing or Dutch Muay Thai, fantastic. And it's interesting because uh, last night was um, the, the, the main event was uh, David Branch versus Luke Rockhold, and Rockhold's kind of coming back, you know? Mm-hmm. And Rockhold, it seemed as if, I don't know it's official, but he was training for what with Henry Hooft. And it seemed like he changed his camp, uh, not AKA anymore. I don't, I don't know what's going on with that, but that's really interesting. And his uh, striking looked sharp, although David Branch, who, uh, a full disclosure, is a really, really, really good friend of mine. He's a wonderful friend. We've trained together as, uh, as Blue Belts, and I have... Absolutely nothing but love for for Dave. Uh, shout out, buddy. Uh, you'll be, you know, you'll come back stronger from this one. But um, Dave clipped him uh, uh, and and really hit Rockhold hard. But then Rockhold came back with some phenomenal jujitsu and uh, got the mount. He did a, a mat return right into the mount. Mat return, bam, mount, and then unleashed a furious barrage of strikes. Yeah. Dave unfortunately turned to escape, gave up his back, then tried to get out, but then had his back mount, he had to give a back mount, and the referee stopped it because uh, he was unable to defend himself. That is a very tough position, but I would say, and this is, again, super love for Dave Branch, great friend of mine, but there's a huge difference between escaping the mount 
when you're not throwing strikes and escaping mount when you're throwing strikes. And that brings us to what I'd like to talk about in combat jiu-jitsu uh, and jiu-jitsu that works in MMA, jiu-jitsu doesn't work in MMA. One of the things that you saw last night, one of the fights was Sergio, uh, Sergio Marias. Um, again, my idol in jiu-jitsu, great guy. Nothing but respect for the guy, but came in and had a disastrous fight. I don't mean this disrespectfully, but the knockout that he suffered showed that he was just, I don't, I, you know, I, I, I'm trying to coach my words so I don't say something disrespectful, <laughs> but that he was not prepared for um, uh, Usman and Kamaru, uh, uh, Kamaru, Usman, Kamaru, and uh, technical, really sharp, crisp striking, striking from Usman, and Sergio is very unorthodox and, you know, and he's a great jiu-jitsu whiz, but he... Forgetting who he is as a jiu-jitsu fighter, and also I've seen in some of his fights with other jiu-jitsu champions too, they go in and their jiu-jitsu is not working. Why is it not working? Or in this case, he didn't even go to jiu-jitsu, but um, but uh, there's a real. Pro Sorry, <laughs> sorry about is that. that like everybody? me talking too much? No, <laughs> you're like you're talking <laughs> too long. Christ. Shut up. <laughs> That's the Gong Show pull out. Right? Oh, all right. Yikes. Okay, so sorry uh, guys. <laughs> we're gonna edit that out. That was, yeah. <laughs> sorry, you I were thought, saying I, something. I, that was I, that was like an unconscious thing. Renee, you're droning on too long. Shut up. Yeah, the bell is rung. The bell is rung. <laughs> Get off the stage. Um, but. Uh, you know, there's a there's a um, a lot of jiu-jitsu guys. Eddie Bravo said it very. How many jiu-jitsu guys in them in the UFC right now are world champions, and that have gone into MMA and had successful careers? And and there's a good amount of jiu-jitsu guys that um, they have not been successful. And the guys who are training submissions training with jiu-jitsu instructors, but don't come from the IBGDF, the sports jiu-jitsu background, don't have those world champion pedigrees. They almost do, like Gillespie, they almost do better in MMA than the guys who come from the standard IBGDF rule set and, and have won championships. That's not always the case. That's not always the case. And definitely, you know, when a, an IBGF champion, you know, a black belt gets, mounts you, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. But I'm talking about other positions, transitional positions or movement or um, how they do takedowns, uh, but also how they play guard. And you can see um, in the Jason Gonzalez match, he was put in what I call the Randy Couture position, which is, uh, you know, the famous champion Randy Couture got on top of people and made black belts in jiu-jitsu look like they just didn't know what they're doing. It's a lot of research. It's, it looks like he's just you know laying in elbows and, and headbutts or whatever. But but starting with the old school wrestlers, he's been around for such a long time. He researched that position, understood as a high level grappler. How do I destroy the leverages of the jiu jitsu guard? And came up with a lot of positions and just does not let people get their feet or their shins or any point of leverage on the guy's hips, and is not allowing them to swivel right and left and. The jiu-jitsu guys that I see playing the guard, usually what they wind up doing is standing up. So all that time you trained to play the guard, what are you going to do? You're just going to stand up. Now, that's not always the case. You know, there's, there's some times where you can see some beautiful guard play. But more often than not, you see a lot of guys from the jiu-jitsu world get into guard and then just get pounded out. One of them, um, uh, 
I mean, it's not coming to mind, but recently, but there was one where uh, he's a, a very, very high-level jiu-jitsu guy, but it looked like he'd never trained before. The same thing with being mounted. And this is not to pick on Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo just had a, a fight. Um, I forgot exactly who he fought. Let me let me look at the picture right here. This is, let me see if I can remember the picture. It was uh, Max Holloway, right? So Max Holloway mounted Jose Aldo, and his the, the structure of his escape, not unlike you know Dave Branch's, the structure of his escape was incorrect for MMA. Because they're doing certain types of moves, they're training without thinking about strikes, I believe. I, I, can't, I can't speak for anybody's training camp, but it seems to me... I'm not there, and this is not to criticize or, or, you know, kind of like down talk anybody. These are great warriors, great fighters, but it's just my observation. If you're training the mount escape in a regular sport jiu-jitsu context or just a jiu-jitsu grappling context, no geeky, it doesn't matter, you're going to put your hands in certain places. If you're training them with strikes, suddenly you're like, whoa, I just ate a really hellacious elbow to the face, so I'm going to move that elbow. I'm going to stick my arms out you know, like this, up in the air, like, um, you know, doing the wave, which is not what you want to do, but that is, you know, what happens when you're not used to it. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the old school Gracie ways of training, you know, come back to the, the fundamentals. And while I've never trained with any of the Gracies, I really respect the, the especially Henner and, 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 Hal, Henner and Hirion, you know, they're kind of maintaining that old school Gracie um, ideal of like, well, this is for self-defense, this is for fighting. And their structures are very different from the structures you see sport jiu-jitsu guys do because they're, they're preparing for, it's like when people punch, we do this. This is what we do here. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not seeing that. And basically what you do, and this was the same thing with uh, Gonzalez, although he was a great warrior, you know, he did escape the mount, but he didn't escape the mount technically. He just used a tremendous amount of physicality to, like, you know, scramble, scramble, scramble out. And it turned out, because the guy on top at the first time was not as set as he should have been, he did get out. But usually, if the guy is set and hitting you with punches, those structures and that massive athletics, it's very hard to, to do. The one thing that Gonzalez did do well is he based off the cage. So, you know, that's another way to do it. But when you don't have the cage to help you, you're in trouble. So this brings me back to combat jiu-jitsu. Eddie Bravo, crazy person <laughs> in terms of the <laughs> flat earth and all that. But, but hey, respect Miss Pastor Bravo. But, sure. but, uh, but a visionary in, um, in, in his approach to jiu-jitsu. And he has this new tournament coming up. He's already had a, a kind of couple of trial runs, but it's the EBI tournament. Mm -hmm. But now he has EBI combat jiu-jitsu, where is, they're not, it's not MMA. But it's another jiu-jitsu tournament that brings reality to what we do. So you can slap the person as hard as you can in the face. Can't punch him, so it's a little safe. There's not a lot of brain damage. But when somebody really does that old-school slap on your face, sure. you're like, ow! Yeah. So it's safe, but at the same time, it's a little bit more real. Mm -hmm. And that's how we train in Radical every single day. So we're always doing combat jiu-jitsu. We've been doing that for a long time. So when you're training, there's... Slaps. Contact? Yes. Uh, okay. You know, not hard. We just, sure. we do go light, you know. He's, you know, cheek gets a little red. But a lot of times we'll aim for the neck too, just to keep it safe. You know, just aim for the person's neck rather than sure. the face. But, you know, throw a little hard slap. And we always know five slaps is a loss. We just consider that. If you have five undefended slaps, it's a loss. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, and then uh, we had a seminar uh, about a year ago with uh, Master uh, 
uh, Javier Vasquez, who calls his system strike-based jiu-jitsu. And that's kind of like our approach too, is like how do we do jiu-jitsu always thinking about the strikes? And we do this uh, slapping. And, and it's an old training method. It's nothing new. The Gracies used it. It's called taparia in, in Portuguese, which is sort of like you slap the guy in the face and you simulate the punches so you can go home and not get hurt. Well, Eddie Bravo took this and said, well, why don't we make this into a sport? So we play our jiu-jitsu, but we also add these slaps in to keep it real because without the slaps, you can get away with a lot more. Mm -hmm. And right now, there's a real deviation in the jiu-jitsu world. The wonderful thing about jiu-jitsu world is that everybody's kind of free to evolve and do their own thing, and that's what makes jiu-jitsu so great. And I think we, you know, we already discussed some topics for the next jiu podcast of like why martial arts grow, what they don't work, and when they're rooted in mysticism, when they evolve. And that's something we'll talk about here. But great thing about jiu-jitsu is that it's always evolving. People are pushing the envelope. It's sort of like you know the, the, the software language Linux, where it's um, what they call open source. Mm -hmm. So there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people doing jiu-jitsu around the world. And each one of them is contributing to the evolution of the art. I have my own little personal contribution, the thing called the rat guard, mm -hmm. and so does so many thousands of other people. These little minute, there's the Delahiva guard, there's the rubber guard from Master Eddie Bravo, which is an amazing, amazing thing. And um, everybody has their own little thing. But what happens is now most of the evolution in Jiu-Jitsu is in the sport realm. So you have these things that just don't work in a real fight. Koala guard. Sorry, Mackenzie Dern, love you, but <laughs> Koala guard sucks, sorry. No offense. <laughs> but Mackenzie Dern, you're awesome. All right. Um, and uh, uh, the uh, Worm Guard, Keenan Cornelius, great guy, amazing athlete, but Worm Guard has no place in a real fight. And you're like, what the hell is this Worm Guard crap? What am I talking <laughs> about? It's you take the guy's uniform and wrap it around like a lasso around the guy's leg and use it as a control, and you sit up on your butt in here. And also, I have nothing but respect for it. the great, great, great master Marcel Garcia, he, I, I was honored enough to train under him, and I have absolute respect for him. But in his academy, which is a sport jiu-jitsu academy, it's great, they do a lot of butt-scooting position, which means I sit on my butt, I scoot up to the guy, and then we kind of fight, fight like that with one guy sitting on his butt, one guy standing. That is not a position that exists in real life. <laughs> that is also not a position we will ever do in our academy in Radical, and the people who are interested in going to MMA or keeping it real as the Gracies say, can't, don't play that position. So if you're, you, you know, the minute you play it and you eat a big, big fat slap sandwich to the face, you're like, whoa, I don't ever want to do that again. Mm -hmm. And don't think it hasn't, it hasn't happened because, and I love Jacare. Jacare is a famous jiu-jitsu guy. Jacare is one of my idols. One of the best sports jiu-jitsu guys to have ever lived in the modern era. And yet he butt-scooted on... Um, the Cuban fighter, shoot, uh, Yoel Romero. And it's, you have to watch that fight again, Matt. So Yoel Romero looks at him, he's like, uh-oh, are you for real? <laughs> okay, here I go, elbow to the face, bam! And, and this is respect to Master Jacare, to, to Jacare, who is great out, but he ate so much hard ground and pound in that fight. Mm. At, there was, even by his own admission, he didn't wake up until the middle or the end of the second round. That's what he said. Wow. And he was just unconscious throughout the whole fight, but obviously huh. still functioning. But that kind of function, that low-level unconscious. Yeah, you're in the cloud. You're, yeah, you're, in the, you're just fighting. Wow. So he fought through that round, 
the bell rung. He was in his corner. He got back up, fought the second round, still got hammered, but, you know, was, his, he's such a great athlete and, and skilled. He, you know, fought back but got destroyed, lost the decision. And in that fight, he, uh, I, I mean, that guy suffered some brain damage for sure. Mm-hmm. And then the next fight, he also did something. He played the guard incorrectly and kind of the same mistake. So, you know, you do, this comes back to what I was saying, you know, about effectiveness and efficiency. People in the sports jiu-jitsu world, and I respect their dedication to that, but if they're ever interested in going to MMA or doing combat relevant, you fighting for these efficiencies of that sport, but you're not addressing effectiveness. And this is as Master Hickson said, Grandmaster Hickson. And um, uh, you're going to do what you do. People say, oh, well, I'll just adapt. You do what you do. You do what you do. You way you fight is the way you train. Mm -hmm. And if you train one way 20 times on the 21st, you're going to do that way. So if you do one thing over and over and over and over again, it's going to be very hard to break that bad habit. So for us, uh, it's day one where we're always in an MMA context. Mm -hmm. Now, some people are able to kind of get started in that sport jiu-jitsu world and then segue into MMA, you know, adjust. The top game is one thing, but the bottom game is very different. And there's so many things to correct when, um, when you're training in a sport jiu-jitsu context. When you transition to no-gi, meaning you know, there's, there's no uniform to grab onto, and punches and strikes and headbutts, which obviously UFC does not allow headbutts, but you know they kind of happen quite a bit. Yeah. And there's some promotions in the world that you know, still allow them. And of course, they're part of real fighting. So suddenly, you're dealing with a lot more weapons flying at you and a lot less control. And I'll tell you a little story um, that happened to me in a second, but, uh, but it's, it's just very different. But anyway, so that's my take on this combat jiu-jitsu, and I really, really hope that Eddie Bravo's combat jiu-jitsu takes off. I would like to kind of be a part of that um, revolution. We, as I said, G had his combat jiu-jitsu fight last night, and um, thinking about starting our own like kind of version in New York, a combat jiu-jitsu tournament. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get some sponsors together and, you know, just pull this out so we can have our first New York, you know, East Coast, first the West Coast is where it's at now, but we can have an East Coast Combat Jiu-Jitsu Championships. But um, uh, this to me is getting away from the IBJF, the, the normal, uh, you know, Jiu-Jitsu rule sets. And um, because it adds in that, that reality. And uh, people say, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. But, you know, I, I'm known for the thing called the Rat Guard. And I'll tell you why the rat guard happened. And this is a shout out to my friend Judo John, and he knows he's part of the story. He's a, he's a black belt under Shaolin now, but we used to train together at the Machado New York office. And I was training under a great instructor, uh, Marco Santos and his brother Marcio, and really great guys. Nothing to, bad to say about them. But, um, you know, we started engaging, and, and Marco's kid's old school. He knows how to fight for sure. But we started engaging in a lot of sports jiu tournaments. So naturally... You do things that work in those tournaments. And um, I had some success under, under Professor Marcos under those tournaments in Marcio. And, I, uh, and then I said, but I would, my goal was always to do, to be combat ready or to do an MMA match. And then one day, you know, I was training with this, my friend Judo John. He's obviously a Judo guy, very skilled. And Judo John comes from a school, a very interesting school, where they do Judo, but to get your uh, black belt, you have to do more of a combative Judo, where you kind of add in strikes. Mm-hmm. So you had a sense of ground and pound. But judo guys have great balance. Also, 
John is kind of a mean guy. <laughs> <laughs> he likes to put the hurt on people. Uh-huh. Sorry, John. We love you. But, um, and up until that point when John and I, because I ranked him in jiu-jitsu and I had a judo background too, whenever we rolled, you know, we rolled the gi, you know, I would, I would be on top. I would be... I would get the upper hand. I had a little more. I had a lot more experience in ground fighting, and um, I would just get the upper hand, you know. And so I'd say he wasn't bad. He was pretty good. It just I was just a little more skilled, right? So you know, I said I want to. I want to try like a little more MMA style. So I put the gloves on, took the gi off, and I, you know, absolutely, absolutely felt. I'm gonna kill like I always do. I'm gonna kill John. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm destroy him, <laughs> like I always do, you know. And it was one of the most hellacious beatings I've ever taken. Oh my God. <laughs> but John didn't hurt me. It was nice. But sure. everything I knew fell apart because the distance, the movement, the hip swiveling, the angles, the leverage, everything was off. And I felt it. And I'm like, damn it. I, all my moves, all my stuff just falling apart. And we just did it for about 30, 40 minutes. Just kept trying, kept trying, kept trying, kept trying. And it just it was like the world was crumbling. What did I do all this training for? You know, why was this happening? I, with the gi, or even without the gi, without punches, I could do so much better. Now, the minute you added no gi and punches, ugh. And that's when I was introduced to, you know, it's kind of like the great, the old school Gracie concept. Old school Gracie concept. And, um, and uh, also Eddie Bravo's concept about clinching guards. And um, I was already experimenting with the position which became known as Rat Guard. Um, uh, I was already experimenting with it, and um, I really started developing more and more and more. I was able to clinch with people, uh, even though my leg was injured because I couldn't do Eddie Bravo's system because my leg was, was too injured. But uh, I clinched and stopped those strikes, and I developed, developed, developed it, and now we have that Rat Guard system today, mm-hmm. and I'm very proud of it. Uh, it's an entire system of ground and pound defense now. Is it the be-all and end-all? No, you should learn rubber guard if you can do it. You should learn rack guard. You should learn the old-school Gracie guards. You should learn all of them. But there are those options that are all not just efficient, they're effective in fighting. And when you see, when people start slapping you in the face, you go back to those, those guards. The, the Gracie's called the Valley Tudor guard. Great guard. Awesome. You go back to that old-school Gracie guard. Great. Old-school guards. Not the new stuff. Not the koala. Not the butt scooting. Not that. The old-school stuff. Yeah. Then you go to... Eddie Bravo world, great rubber guard, fantastic system. Or you go to my system, whatever. But that is what's going to protect you and get you ready for MMA. And you see so many jiu-jitsu guys, the minute they're put on their back, they have trouble. Unless they start adapting, and that adaptation takes time. One person I really respect, and it is Ryan Hall, who comes from the sports jiu-jitsu world, but you can see he's really adapting. He has this freestyle leg lock game from the bottom which is based on the 50-50 position. The 50-50 position is, generally speaking, not a great place to defend strikes. But he adjusted it and modified it, and I'm really interested to meet him and ask him questions because I love what he's doing. How he took that position that was played one way in sport jiu-jitsu, which is really not good for fighting, and turned it into something that was a great weapon to launch assaults from. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so it's all about evolution, going at making it efficient and effective. Yeah. And uh, so that's where you can see the UFC, you know, this fight night last night. You can see a lot of uh, the jiu-jitsu guys like Serginho um, not doing, they, you know, Dave, you know, unfortunately it came up a little short. But 
maybe not training enough striking or combat jiu-jitsu oriented training where they can, in a safe environment, prepare for bad situations where they're not just being dominated in grappling, but being dominated grappling with strikes, grappling and strikes together. Because mm-hmm. that's what mixed martial arts is. It's mixed. It's not we're going to do jiu-jitsu today and do Muay Thai tomorrow and wrestling tomorrow. It's about the transitions and the hybrids and the mixing. Like we were talking about the clinch before, you know, it's all about the mix. Anyway, I think I droned on a little too much. But <laughs> no, man, great information and, yeah, and good yeah. stories. Um, I wonder, is there ever going to be a point where mixed martial art becomes its own martial arts? That is a wonderful, wonderful question. Mm. I think it's already kind of there. Yeah. Okay, but let me tell you something. This is, you just said something really, really intelligent. But, wow, listen, guys, I, I don't say this very often. <laughs> very intelligent things. I'm, I'm excited to hear what it said. Now, you know, is mixed martial arts its own sport? So I want to ask you, though, something. You know, when was karate created? Let's say, you know, actually, you know, you could, you could turn to the 19th century. But let's say, let's say some of the origins that, you know, are claimed to by certain karate styles. Let's say, let's say 16th century. Let's even push it back. Let's say, let's say it's the 12th century. Mm-hmm. But you're saying, okay, karate existed in the 12th century. Or let's say wrestling. Wrestling, when did, when did wrestling exist? Well, let's say, you know, according, we have ancient Greece. Yeah. So we're talking, you know, 500 BC. Okay, human beings have been around the planet for a lot longer. You know, what are we, what are, what, how are we fighting 4,000 years ago? 5,000 years Throwing ago. Throwing rocks at each other. We're fighting the same way as today. Yeah. Yeah, because fighting is fighting. Mm-hmm. Karate's not fighting. Muay Thai's not fighting. Boxing's not fighting. These are all artificial constructs. Now, why do those, those labels exist? They exist because you had people who either specialized in certain elements of the fight, and they said, okay, this is my, you know, ishikawaryu or, you know, Tachikawaryu, or whatever, the, this guy's style. This is the little additions I have here. Like we see in jiu-jitsu, we see, or like the Philly shell, Philly style of boxing versus the, you know, the, the Kronk style, or the, you know, the, if you look at training Freddie Roach, you know, Freddie Roach is, he's kind of this way. You, you know, he's going to go into these trainers, they're going to train you a little bit this way. Everybody has their own, like, little thing. Even in boxing, there's these little styles, and there are these little stylistic differences, which become became their own martial arts in the sense that I'm this guy and I learn these little details. But really what that is is for pedagogy. Pedagogy, the study of teaching. These breakdowns are like, let's break down throwing to these things so I can teach it better, you can understand it better. So throwing is throwing. And of course, with that breakdown of those sciences of leverages, they evolve. So what is the best gi throwing art? Judo. There's no question. Judo and Russian Sambo. Russian Sambo is based off of Judo, but these, the best geese throwing arts are from the Judo tradition because they've taken that science and really, 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 really researched it. What are the, the best no-gi throwing tradition? Well, the Western wrestling traditions, Greco-Roman wrestling, folk-style wrestling, freestyle wrestling, because they've broken down the sciences of those leverages and really researched them. Mm-hmm. But really... That's like they're doing subsets of fighting and researching. They're one element. And at one point, we have to bring them back into the mixed martial arts sphere. Because mixed martial arts is not mixed martial arts. You know mixed martial arts is? The closest thing to just fighting there is. Now, it's not fighting because obviously there's certain things you can't do. You can't pull out a knife. You can't bite people. But 
you know, basically the leverages of mixed martial arts are the closest to a real fight because they allow so many things. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I think value two is closer because value, you know, you allow much more, but it's the same thing. You know, there's really no, there's a negligible difference. Because there's so many limited rules, you're, you're in MMA, and MMA, is it a martial art? MMA is fighting. It's always been a martial art. It has always been a martial art. It's fighting. Mm-hmm. What we did by get, making judo, jiu-jitsu, this, blah, 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 all these other martial arts was just uh, cut up the pie into different slices and say, okay, what's this slice? What's this slice? But really, it's just one pie. Mm-hmm. It's fighting. The rules of gravity were the same 5,000 years ago. I have not met a human with four arms and eight legs. So that's not going to change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, 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 I think Bruce Lee said, you know, we all have two arms, two legs. So, you know, the variety of what we're going to do is not going to be that much different. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, there's evolution. There's refinement. But, you know, there's, a, there's wonderful because you look at the Natural uh, Museum of Ma- uh, Modern Art, I mean, I'm sorry, the um, Metropolitan Museum of Art here in New York, and you can go to the Greco-Roman section, and you can see these ancient pottery from 500 BC, and you say, oh, that's a guillotine. Oh, that's a, that's a souple. Oh, that's a double leg takedown. Oh, that's a this. And you're like, oh, I just, just did that today. There's a great sculpture of, um, I think it's like Hercules or something doing a line, and he's like, He's just doing like a, I forget what he's doing, like a, like a, like a kimura or something, right? But it's like. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, you know, it's thousands of years old. Yeah. yeah so, so, so fighting hasn't changed, but we've gotten better at classifying it. Classifying it to research and evolve it more. Putting it in. But the base, but fighting, fighting. Fighting is fighting. You know, that's, uh, that's fighting's fighting. Yeah. Now, what happens is, that that's beg, beggars, begs the question, why do some martial arts work and some don't? And they really don't. And I would like something we could discuss later. I think we get too either too evolved into um, our specificities. And we add too many rules. That's one. And while you guys might not know, but I, I did compete on the uh, Taekwondo circuit in the 80s a little bit. And I have respect for Taekwondo. But Taekwondo has a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of rules. Mm-hmm. So you had all these rules. Now when you take them away, suddenly you're like, whoa, I'm not protected anymore. Same thing with boxing. I have tremendous respect for boxing, but you can't grab. We can't do this. Can't do that. Can't do this. Can't do that. So then you have James Tony versus Randy Couture. Oh, I'm going to shoot a low single and tap you out, and like it's nothing. You know, it's the easiest fight that, that in the history of MMA yeah. is James Tony versus uh, you know uh, Randy Couture. He's like, wow, this is the easiest payday ever. <laughs> you know, like I'm going to shoot in, take him down. He just wasn't ready for that. Right. And so he was always protected by boxing rules. That doesn't mean that Mike Tyson can't fight. That doesn't mean Jane, so you can fight, but they're they're used to one dimension, and they're protected by the rules. And um, when you, that means they have vulnerabilities, great big glaring vulnerabilities that if you can take advantage of, will be great. Now, if you're starting uh, from scratch, like I just walked in off the street, should I build a layer of each discipline, or should I go all in and right. mixed martial arts? I, you know, we talked about this last week. Right, you know, who knows? Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> this is exactly what we talked about last week. But um, Joe Rogan's on one side, I'm kind of on the other because still, you need those pedagogical divisions to really understand the science of a position. Right. Mm-hmm. So jiu-jitsu exists um, because they said, let's really re- Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Let's really research the submission fighting game. 
and like really, really, really think about this thing. And wrestling exists. Let's really think about throwing people on their heads without a uniform. And they got so good at understanding those leverages by taking the rules away. I mean, putting the the rules in and saying, we're just going to focus on this element. So they got really great. And there's something to be said for that because if you spend a lot of time mastering one element, then you can push that element on other people when you go into there. The problem is there's certain part that certain things like I, mean, I can't tell you how many times I've trained with wrestlers and the minute you take them to the ground they give up their back because that's what you do in wrestling mm-hmm. you give up your back and you get choked out so there's always that flip side of like how deep do you want to go into that science if you go too deep you can't come out you get so into the gamesmanship mm-hmm. that you can't come out you can't de-evolve de- and that's one of the way, you know, I'm so impressed with Henry Cejudo is that he's obviously an amazing wrestler, but he has been able to transition that wrestling into functional MMA wrestling and uh, also add it to his skill set. Um, but there are a lot of people, like uh, the Team Takedown out of Texas, who, you know, recruited you know, tremendous wrestlers, and those guys haven't had a lot of success. You know, um, uh, they, you know, they, you know, for every Henry Cejudo, there's four or five, there's Sarah, Sarah McMahon's or... Something like that, where they um, they weren't able, or Ronda Rousey, who tremendous respect for, um, and she did have a championship run for sure. You can't take that away from her, but she was not able to see some of the weaknesses of what she's doing, and she couldn't add to her skill set. Mm-hmm. So you could you could also say that you know, okay, she couldn't box, whatever, but you could see that sometimes the way she was throwing people left her vulnerable because she liked the head and arm control. So um, I think it was Liz Carmouche wound up taking her back and almost tapping her out from a neck crank. And she got out, but it was, it was a close call. Then when she tried to throw Holly Holm, Holly Holm saw those flaws because, you know, um, if it were with, if Holly Holm had had Guillaume, Ronda would have crushed her, right? But they didn't, you know, right. so you change the nature of the game. So she used certain controls that left her a little vulnerable, and um, Holly Holm, you know, was able to defend and, and, and take advantage of that. That's no disrespect to, to Ronda Rousey. She's a, she's a warrior. She's a great person. I don't mean to ever denigrate anybody who puts their, you know, puts it on the line in the cage. These are great fighters. Just looking at it technically, taking away the personalities, what are they doing right? What are they doing wrong? This is kind of what I see. Now, who am I? I'm just a guy. But the data doesn't lie. I can show you certain things that are fundamentals in jiu-jitsu this is fundamental everybody does this and yet it's not working in the ufc Hmm. so hmm probably we shouldn't do that Hmm. you know like you you know but you get stuck in these traditions because you're so in that in that pie in that slice in that slice and you don't think out of it and you get boxed in and um there's a there's there's a there's a great uh, uh, I, I heard this in the one there was another podcast I think it was Joe Rogan podcast I'm not sure which I don't really listen to that much but um, I think it was Joe Rogan um, but he had a person and it was um uh, it was uh, she's like a kinesiologist or some she had some some biomechanics expert mm-hmm. and she says that we live in this world with chairs and things like that and we don't realize that these are prisons that are destroying our body. Because, you know, we're so sedentary. So we should be living on the floor. So she, in her house, she, like, got rid of all her furniture. And she's raising her kids 
to live on the floor. And they're actually like way, like their, their circulation, their blood pressure, their flexibility, everything's like way off the charts. They're like super kids or something, you know, right. something like that. But she doesn't realize that the, the things that we call comforts are also traps. Right. And the staying in that slice of the pie in each martial art is a comfort and a positive until it becomes a trap. Mm-hmm. Until it becomes this habit that we can't get out of, right? And when habits work against you, um, one of my favorite bloggers is a guy named Sam Yang. He has a blog called All Out Effort. Uh, shout out to Sam, and he has a whole post about this about how habits become traps. And when people read you and you know your habit and you just can't get out of it, yeah. Jose Aldo is kind of like that with the striking sometimes, as he as he as uh, Sam mentioned, and Conor McGregor kind of took advantage of that. Um, Habits can be traps, and that's what I'm trying to get away from in jiu-jitsu. We want to make sure we're technically sound, Mm -hmm. but we never want to go too much down the rabbit hole of that slice of the pie that we forget about the whole pie. Yeah, if you have any tells, you know, in poker and stuff like that. So they study you fighting the last 10 fights, and you always move to the left. They're they're going to punch you when you move to the left. Are you a big poker player? A little bit here and there. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah, poker. Um, G, the person who won last night, he used to be a professional poker player. Oh, wow. Yeah, but uh, mostly online, he said. But uh, poker is fighting. Yeah. Poker's fighting. It really is. I mean, I, I don't really play. Uh, my my grandmother was a big poker player. Uh, but uh, my parents were like, gambling's bad, so don't do that. <laughs> so, go, go fight instead. Yeah, but my, my grandmother was, uh, was a, quite, a, quite a gifted poker player. And uh, my mom was said, you know, never, never gamble with your grandmother. Because she will take everything away from you. Oh, yeah. yeah she, she won't care that you're a good grandson. Oh, grandma. <laughs> I, miss, I miss you, Grandma Inez. Oh. So I think we've learned that uh, thousands and thousands of years of fighting and nothing has really changed. But we've segmented. We've put it in classifications. Um, and we'll always evolve and learn new things and new techniques and add them to our repertoire. Right. And, and then but we just have to worry about the way we evolve. Do we evolve towards just the efficacy in that slice or efficacy in the whole pie. Mm -hmm. And I really hope everybody watches um, the upcoming, it's on the UFC Fight Pass, I believe, and uh, I forget, but the upcoming Eddie Bravo Combat Jiu-Jitsu tournament. It's an eight-man tournament. Uh, They have a stacked lineup, I believe, um, from the Dan Hurt That Squad, the Kenzo Gracie Academy, um, Gordon Ryan, not Gordon Ryan, um, Gary Tonin is in it. Mm -hmm. And they have a lot of other uh, fighters uh, in it, and it's it's great. They already had uh, one match, uh, uh, or one trial trial tournament with some girls and some guys, and now this is the real big one. I really hope it takes off, and Mm -hmm. I really hope everybody gives it a chance and supports it. And Master Eddie Bravo is a visionary a phenomenal guy, and I can't wait to meet him. I'm a big fan, except the earth is not flat. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't smoke marijuana either. Yeah, yeah. we <laughs> could spend a whole do, episode on kids, any Bravo. Don't do, don't do marijuana. Sorry. <laughs> don't do drugs. <laughs> don't do drugs. Drugs bad. Yeah. All right. Oh, he's not going to like me now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just put him in a rack card. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. He would probably be too good to, 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 for me. He'd be running circles around me, for sure. No, no. All right, so... Um, Thanks for listening to this episode. And uh, we're going to be coming back in the next couple of weeks with some great great stuff. Um, keep an eye out for what's coming in the future. And how can they find the, uh, the Eddie Barrow? Is that on, it's going to be a fight pass, right? Yes, I believe. And is that uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks? Yes, I'm going to look it up right now. It is... Crap. Um... <laughs> uh, hold on, here we go. No, that's not it. 
Oh, man, I can't uh, find out the date. Uh, um, hmm. Okay, well, we'll have to wait that for the, the next uh, the next episode. So this is a, what it is. Sunday, October 27th. Oh, is that in it? Los we, Angeles? Sunday, that must be that must be it. Where it's is like it? Where's five it? down. Yes. Oh, right. There you go. Sunday, October 27th. What's his website? EBOfficial.com? EddieBravoOfficial.com? EBOfficial.com for Eddie Bravo Invitational. Oh, yeah. Oh, here you go. Um, yes, there you go. Okay. Yeah, so right, it's right. going to be, okay. it's on Flight Pass yes. through UFC, and it's going to be October. See, kids, this also shows that you should prepare more for your podcast. <laughs> I apologize. I'm a podcast neophyte. So, uh, yeah, EBI, Eddie Bravo Invitational. It's EBIOfficial.com. And all the information should be there. And I really hope all you martial artists and jiu-jitsu aficionados, um, uh, um, you know, support this um, this amazing thing. Yeah. And then uh, maybe in the future there'll be one coming to uh, the East Coast with uh, Radical Radical MMA leading the charge. Yeah, really, that's what we're trying to do. And I'm hoping that uh, that that's um, that's something we can get going on the East Coast. And I know there's a a lot of people have been talking to me about it. I used to run a tournament. I was one of the first people to run a submission-only tournament here in New York, and it, it was called the Submission Shootout, and NYC Submission Shootout. Huge success. Unfortunately, I had to stop doing it because I had a family issue mm-hmm. that I had to take care of. Uh, but I'm going to be back running a tournament. But instead of submission-only, we're going to do full-on combat jiu-jitsu. Beautiful. Awesome. Keep your eyes open and your ears also open for those kind of things. Fantastic. in your future. All right, thanks for listening, guys. Check out uh, NutriChef NYC and ChrisRomedia.net. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Marshall underscore Culture and on Instagram at Marshall Culture Cast. Please leave a review on iTunes, and we'll see you next time on the Marshall Culture Podcast.